This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Uh, Brian Ives and Drew Brooks at the wheel of this show today. And uh, Lisa Mundy on a Friday directing. Right. Yeah. That's accurate. Yeah. So we got all that going for us. Everybody helping us out to get us through the end of the week. We got two more ACC teams going tonight, both in the late night games in Chicago That's and just Philly. The men. That's the men's side. We got three. On the women's side. No, four on the women's side. Sorry, four. We got four on the women's side. Sorry, four on the women's side. We had three on the men's side. Seven total ACC teams. We'll get to a women's preview coming up. We're going to talk about that as well with Darren Mabry of Notre Dame at 9.15. You know, Notre Dame, NC State tomorrow morning. What's wrong now? Tomorrow What's your morning? problem now? Tomorrow morning. Yeah, Carolina, South Carolina's tonight. Well, I know what I know but what the schedule tomorrow is. morning is. Just come on, really? Like eleven thirty? You can't handle? No, that? I'm all right with it. It's fine. No, no problem. They play what when do you they want. Do? Play golf? Yeah, that's happening tomorrow. Huh. Well, then, <laughs> that, then you shouldn't watch the game. No, I'll check it out. I'll get to some. I got that right there. This right here. You have no idea how beneficial this is in the world we're living in right now. Well, how about just the television? Stay at home, watch the game. I could do that if I wanted to. We'll play golf tomorrow. So there we go. I'm going to watch the hoops. I'm I know you're on 16 steps. Right? I know right there. 16 steps right back up the road. Uh, 16 steps took you to Duke, Texas Tech last night. I loved last night. Yeah. God, I thought the games were great. Yeah, really good. Duke won 78-73 last night out in San Francisco. Blue Devils use a, uh, uh, I tell you what, an unbelievable second half shooting when you look at it statistically, 71%. But put the Put the nail in last night with about eight minutes to go in the ball game, and drove that joker home on the offensive end, and they were really good when they got in the zone. Well, I, I didn't even think it was that. It was as much it was it was back and forth. I mean, every time you thought Duke, okay, it, it, the thing that was cool, so cool about that game, watching it live last night, mm-hmm. is that you got a sense early in the second half that every possession mattered. Mm-hmm. It was you just knew. I mean, you can't have wasted trips. Right. Because the game, you just sensed it. And it turned out to be exactly that. Because both of these teams were not going to give an inch, either one of them. And Texas Tech is a really good club that plays elite defense. And they made life difficult for Duke. And you knew they would. How about that? The thing that was so impressive, too, is that they only been giving up 18 points a game in the paint. Duke scored 36 in the paint last night. And... When it met, like I said earlier, when they were up three, I think it was like 63-60. I don't know how much time was left in the game. But Duke had back-to-back possessions when mm-hmm. they had turnovers, and Texas Tech took the lead back. Duke had the ball up three in the back-to-back turnovers, and you're like, oh, man, that, that you could almost, you knew, boy, that could come back to haunt you. Right. Every possession, you just had a sense that, man, you got to figure out a way to at least get a point. It was going to be that ebb and flow of the game. It was a tremendous basketball game for folks that stayed up and watched it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, late night work, but uh, paid off for the Blue Devils last night on the West Coast. You saw Bancaro, terrific second half, uh, 22 points, 7 of 12 from the floor last night. First 20-point game of the NCAA tournament. He's averaged 18 in the last two. And Mark Williams with a punctuation dunk kind of for the tournament, just catch inside and then a quick flush. Here it is. Look at this. Ooh. Come on now. Mark Williams missed Duke's last field goal attempt. And he missed it with eight minutes and 52 seconds to go in the game. Now Told let you. that marinate a second. Last eight and a half, they were 
sparkling in the last eight and a half. Pac, you can win a lot of games doing this. Uh, it's hard to lose games <clears throat> doing that. But it took that kind of effort to beat Texas right. Tech. And that's, that's the point. I mean, the Duke had to shoot 71% in the second half yeah. to scrape out a W. 26 and, points in the last eight and a half minutes. And if you didn't see the game and you were waking up with us this morning, you're like, oh, well, Duke won by five. These guys are acting like, dude, this was anybody's game. This was a fist fight. This was a back alley brawl, which had more offense than I expected. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I loved about the game. I knew it was going to be close. But I thought it could be you know upper 50s, low 60s. Texas Tech scored the basketball better than I thought they would. Are we so burying the lead here, though? The lead is survive in advance. Okay. That's the lead. Is is the lead no no zone that Duke went zone? Duke said, well, you heard Jay. He, he said, you know, Kay's done this from time to time, but it really was a disruptor because Kay sensed, as I mentioned, Texas Tech scored on eight of the first 11 possessions in the second half, mm-hmm. had a four-point lead at halftime. And great coaches just have a feel that, hey, I need to do something here just to, to slow things up, and it worked. Right. And, and Texas Tech had some hiccups and – Really, it took them a while to adjust to it. and um, But it was such a well-coached game. Uh, we're not sitting here we're yakking about officiating, which we've done, unfortunately, on too many games this year in the tournament. And the fact that Duke throws in it from, what, 71% in the second half, it's the highest that anyone has shot against Texas Tech in a half in the last seven years. How about that? It took that kind of effort to win the game. Now, the officiating conversations over on the West Coast Conference television network this morning. We've had some terrible games officiating. Yes. Now, Jay, you heard what Jay had to say. Jay's going off on the whole 96% been, he, and all that but stuff. Jay's but Jay's been there. Jay's He's right. He has talked about it all year long, and I give him a lot of credit for being out front on some of this. But the, the contact and all that stuff, that's – Like, for example, if you watch the games live last night, I thought the officiating in the Arkansas-Gonzaga game was, was not up to snuff. I mm-hmm. thought the officiating in that game last night – the way Texas Tech plays, the way Arkansas gets in front, the way right. Houston attacks, mm-hmm. right? And the teams that took care of some business last night playing, you could call foul literally on every possession. Could. I mean, if yep. you were going up, oh, can't touch it, too physical. Right. You could, if you wanted to make it a snowflake game, you'd have 100 calls right. in a game like that with the way those teams get after you defensively. So, you know, when Jay talked about like the games tonight, how are the games going to be officiated? He's right. Mm-hmm. It's not that you want the referees to dictate the outcome. You don't want that. But what you don't want to see happen is what happened in Baylor, North Carolina, when there's 53 fouls and 64 free throw That's attempts. It. Nobody at this stage of the game, when you got the best teams playing with everything at stake, you don't want to have the Zebras all night. That's the fourth foul on this guy. That's, I mean, yeah. I thought, like, for example, I thought some of the fouls on Holmgren last night on Gonzaga were almost comical. Like, yeah. I mean, we want to see the guys play. That's it. A foul is a foul. I get it. But. There's got to be an ebb and flow to the game. Has to be. Agree with you. I totally agree with you. Uh, big win for Mike Krzyzewski. He's back in another Elite Eight after the ball game. Uh, he talks about the grit and fight of his team. You said it better than me. You said it better than me. That Trace, that's what... That's what... It's so good as a coach when... It's not nothing coaching... It's just that grit and that determination. Paulo, a couple of his moves were, you could see it on his face, saying, holy mackerel, that's the guy I, I coached that guy. Holy mackerel. 
a slap on the floor. What, what the hell? Yeah, why not? Yeah, and, uh, and our, guys wa- our guys really wanted that because it's kind of like across a the bridge to the brotherhood, you know? Like they, they can now say they did that. Hopefully they can say that again, at least on Saturday. Slapping the floor pack. Love it. <laughs> Love everything about that. I do. Well, tomorrow night, 849 from out in California. Nice night if you're in NorCal. Get a late lunch, go to the ball game. Greatest place, man. Oh, my no kidding. That's, that's my kind of place out there. Just saying. Scotty Thurman, Todd Day, Lee Mayberry. I got some great stories. About the 1994. Alex Dillard shooting it from the hog snout, right? I got some great stories about the 1994 NCAA championship game here in Charlotte. Let's go. That was uh, my experience with Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. Jeff Amant, the bass player, got him to be a runner for Billy and Jim Nance. And again, this is 1994. You got to keep in mind the grunge movement was going on. Pearl Jam's probably the biggest band in the world, mm-hmm. if not Nirvana. Right. right? And Pearl Jam was playing in Atlanta. We were working. This is when I had my sports marketing company. We were working to try to get Pearl Jam to come to Charlotte to play. And it didn't work out because they were in Atlanta. And the tournament's here in Charlotte. And Amen says, man, we can't make this work, but I'd love to go to the game. So we get him tickets. So I get him tickets. So we have a way. you got to keep in mind, President Clinton at the time is coming to the game. Right. And so to, and the reason I bring that up, Arkansas Duke, they formed the old Charlotte Coliseum that there was really only one entrance for the entire 24,000 people to get into, which was a disaster, mm-hmm. right? So Amit says, well, Pac, how, how am I going to know who you are to get the tickets? Because I had his tickets. And I said, I'll be wearing a San Francisco Giants baseball hat. I'll guarantee I'll be the only one, and I'll be standing on the left side of the entrance. There will be nobody else in Charlotte with a San Francisco Giants baseball hat. You'll know it's me. So sure enough, I'm standing out there. In fact, with me is Eric Palms, who's now running the Orange Bowl. Right. right? We're, we're, we're running buddies. Right? You guys run. Y'all are music. Like yeah, yeah we were. We both yeah. were. Still and are. I, and, I'm, and I'm single, so you know I'm having a good time. So long story made short. Ladies. No. <laughs> so long story made short. I got tickets. Palms and I are waiting for the boys from Pearl Jam, right? Uh-huh. And so we're watching all the people come by. They're all walking to go through the security because President Clinton's got to come to the game. Sure. And so I see these guys, and I went, Eric, there they are. Now, these guys look like they don't have 10 cents to their name. Right? They're worth millions of dollars, right? Still. And, still. And they're <laughs> awesome. And yeah. they're huge basketball fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really are that legit, is a fact. I mean, legit basketball fans. Yep. So Amen walks up and says, hey, you Mark? I said, hey, man, pleasure meeting you. Have a great time. We really love your music. And we have like a two-minute exchange, and they could not have been nicer. They walk in. So I know where their seats are. So Palms and I. Have good seats? You're in the, you're in the, they're not, they're in the lower deck. Okay, that's good seat. So Palms and I have credentials. So we're just going to try to go find a place to hang, right? We really don't have a seat. We're just going to see. CBS credentials? I don't know. Okay. So who knows? We might have made them up. So we walk through the back door. And it's about 10 minutes before the game. And we're walking across the court. And Billy's over there. Hey, son, come over here. Mark, get, come here. 
And so I walk across. He goes, uh, hey, he goes, we need a runner. He goes, what's that group? What's that, that, that group, that, those guys, the, the music? I said, Pearl Jam. He goes, find out if one of those guys wants to be a runner. We need a runner. Got to get us some Cokes and some peanuts or some Billy hot thinks, dogs. Billy thinks that like Swim, Slim Whitman's on tour or something. You can get yeah. the bass player for Slim Whitman's band right, or so something. So I said, I'll tell you, I, I, said, I know where Jeff's Lie sitting. Because I know where Jeff's around. So I run up there, and Jeff's like eating a hot dog and got a Coke. And I said, Jeff, I don't mean to bother you. I know you probably think I'm stalking you. But Billy, my dad, wants to know if you want to be a runner. And he goes, well, what's a runner? I said, basically, you sit at midcourt for free, and if Jim Nance and Billy Packer need a Coke, you run and get them a Coke. He's like, like, blankly, blankly. He goes, I'm in. Let's go. And so I get Jeff Amen from Pearl Jam, and we walk down, and it's like two minutes before tip-off. And I tapped Nance on the shoulder and Billy on the shoulder. They take off their headsets. I said, Jeff Amen, Jim Nance, Jeff, Billy. And Jeff goes, well, where do I sit? I said, this is your chair. And he's like, you got to be blanking. I said, you get to sit literally midcourt goes right between your legs. I said, listen, if you need something, I'm going to be over there in the press area, over there in the tunnel, right. watching the game. If you need anything. Oh, that's great. So I'm, Amen is just like totally into it. I mean, he is a lunatic basketball fan. So about a minute to go in the half, mm-hmm. I see him running. He's coming right. And I said, where are you going? He goes, the boys need some Cokes. And so I run him back to the press area. And he gets a couple Cokes and like a banana and uh, whatever else. And there's this table with all these peanuts and crackers and all that stuff. And he puts all this stuff down. I said, what are you doing? He goes, he starts sticking them in his pocket. He's like wearing like an old blue jean jacket and a, a bandana, a backwards baseball hat. And he's sticking all these peanuts and, and stuff in his jacket. I said, what are you doing, Jeff? He goes, freebies, man. <laughs> I'm thinking, what? Pearl Jam. This, guy's worth, this guy is worth a trillion dollars. Biggest band in the world. And he's like, freebies, man. And so he goes and gets the Cokes and sits there. And game ends. Arkansas wins an incredible game Scotty against Thurman. Duke. Right. So the game ends, right? And I'm, I'll make this short because I know the show ends at 10. And so Arkansas folks are going nuts, right? And Billy and Nance are going to go interview Nolan Richardson, who, of course, had the ultimate chip on the shoulder, and their sure. team played great to win the game. And I see President Clinton coming out of his box, and he's walking down the steps. Now, I'm on the floor with Amon, right? Mm-hmm. And we're just standing there shooting a breeze, talking about whatever we're talking about. And I said something to him. I said, oh, here comes President Clinton. And he goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, uh, we got to go. we got to go play for them this week. I said, you got to do what? He goes, yeah, we, we, we're doing uh, Saturday Night Live, and I think we're going to stop by and do something in D.C. And, but it was like one of the most surreal kind of – I'm thinking to myself, now who in the world has it better than me right now? I'm talking to the bass player for Pearl Jam. We're talking hoops. He's just like nonchalant about the president. The celebration's going on. Arkansas fans are going bonkers. And he's from like Montana, all right? Yeah. And around the top of the Coliseum, they had all the teams right. that made this, the, the tournament. That's correct. And I, if I'm not mistaken, Montana's was up there. And I said something to him. I said, Jeff, man, Montana made the tournament. He goes, oh, I know, man. I'm so excited. And he knows. I mean, I was stunned how much he knew. And now by this time, there can't be 5,000 people in the, in the building. There's just the Arkansas fans celebrate. Right. And uh, 
and I got the court roped off. I said, you know what you ought to do? I just ought to go up there and take that thing and take it home. And he does this. You think I can? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, no, I don't know if you should steal the Montana brand. You know, Pearl Jam basses steals Montana side. Would probably probably not be a good thing. But that dude, I'll tell you what, they love, love, love basketball. Big time. So that's my Arkansas Duke story. That's what I delivered to you guys. Right It'll there. be in the book, by the way. And that will be in my book, that yeah. story. So when Pac writes the book, you, now you'll be able to skim through that. But chapter. those guys, I mean, they were great. Yeah. They were incredibly cool. And never got the concert, did you, in Charlotte? No, but we almost pulled that off. Yeah, that would go. have been sensational. Because uh, remember, Charlotte built a fake city for the event. Remember that? Yeah, I remember. Charlotte, yeah. but it was like a Western... Yeah. Like blazing saddles. Slim pickings. It really was. Yep. It was like, we went to Uptown Charlotte and like, where did all this stuff come right. from? It was exactly. like all a fake facade. All right. So great. Uh, when we come back. We I didn't will... mean to get us on No, track. no. That's, are you kidding? Uh, Eva Hodgson joins us in case you missed it from yesterday. She was fantastic. Eva Buckets. Coming up next. Carolina, South Carolina later today in Greensboro. On ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Don't forget, ACC softball is on your television this Sunday at high noon. Louisville visits John Rittman's Clemson Tigers. They're 15th in the country. Action begins high noon right here on ACC Network. And streaming live on the ESPN app. Tough midweek loss for Clemson down in Athens this week against uh, Georgia. But they'll be looking to bounce back this weekend. Yep, had a little walk-off loss there. Had the game really in a good spot. Just could not close. Yep. So uh, welcome back to the Friday program. Still to come, C.L. Brown here in about uh, about eight or nine minutes. Nine o'clock hour, Dara Mabry and Luke Hancock join us as well. C.L.'s in Philadelphia covering Carolina tonight. Eva Hodgson joins us yesterday, the Carolina super sub, if you will, averaging almost 20-some minutes of ball game off of Courtney Banghart's bench. Tar Heels and Gamecocks later today, women's Sweet 16 action from Greensboro, but Eva's become known for something else, the bucket hat. How did it start? Because it's always there, in case you missed it. So when we went to Arizona, we had a few days to kill, and they let us go to the mall. So we were walking around, and we hit up a very rare store to Arizona, Dick's Sporting Goods. Uh, and <laughs> we walked in the doors, and one of the first things we saw was this bucket hat. And Alyssa goes, Eva, this, this hat is you. And I was like, I mean, okay, sure. So I put it on. I walked around the whole store. And by the end of it, I was like, guys, like, I think I'm in love with this hat. Um, (laughs) And so I bought it. I walked out. I don't even know how much it cost, honestly. Um, And then the pins started just adding as we got one. We got another one. And then someone was like, oh, do you want this ACC one? And I was like, "Uh, duh. And so then I tossed the ACC hat or pin on my hat um, and I'll get to add another one. And then eventually we'll probably add a UNC one or, you know, whatever pins. If you guys have any pins, I would love to add one to the hat. Hey, Eva, this is no lie. When I saw you talking about it, I was was screwing around because I got all kinds of stuff that people have sent us. I have a pin. 
but it's Woodford Reserve. It's a Woodford Reserve bourbon pen. I don't know if you want that because it's not basketball related, but I swear to you, I will send this to you. But I'm looking around for any kind of thing we could send you to add to the hat. It's the only one I've got. We don't have any Packer and Durham pens, or we'd send no, those. We, we don't have any Packer like and Durham pens. We'd send it to you, but yeah. I've got a Woodford Reserve bourbon pen. Yeah, <laughs> it's all I got right now. I mean, I love it, and eventually I'll Done. make a Packer and Packer and Durham one so I can toss that on. I like it. I go. like the way you're thinking. Again, name, image, and likeness. We're always looking for deals, right? We're looking for deals. Um, here, here's kind of where I want to go a little bit from a basketball situation. Um, brackets came out. I was pretty sideways about the five seeds out of the ACC, to be honest with you, Eva. I, I, didn't, I thought that was a slight by the committee. Um, you, Virginia Tech, you guys all, I thought everybody deserved an opportunity. Notre Dame. I mean, there were five seeds, and it was like, really? Those teams are all good enough to be four seeds. They're all good enough mm-hmm. to host. How much of that factored in to what happened in Arizona last week? I mean, I think this entire year has just been motivation for our team because the whole year people have just kind of thought of us as a second thought. Um, and so we kind of have taken that as just motivation, especially then knowing that we could get back to Greensboro. So, I mean, even since the ACC tournament, that wasn't how we wanted to play. Um, and then they put us as a five seed and we're like, all right, we got Arizona. Um, we got to make a statement. And I think that definitely played into how we played. And Mm. I also think that played into how Notre Dame played. I mean, you could see it like there's just kind of a chip on all of our shoulders because they slighted us a little bit. Well, the ultimate motivation awaits in Greensboro because Don Staley has not a good program, a great program, and they're the number Mm -hmm. one team. Uh, so I know that doesn't take a whole lot to get motivated, and I'm sure when you watch tape, you went, yep, they're legit, they're good. But that's the beauty of the tournament, though, isn't it? Uh, you know, there are surprises. There are upsets. Uh, we've seen some two-seeds already get kicked to the curb that you just assumed would roll the ball out and win. But when you watch South Carolina on tape, Eva, just tell us all the great things that they do because it's a really talented team. Yeah, I mean, I played against Aaliyah Boston back in high school. Um, and she, I mean, she was a fantastic player then. I mean, their inside game is one of the best in the country. And then you add some of the top guards as well. I mean, they're really able to include everyone on every possession. Um, and they work the ball in and out. They, the way they rebound is like no other. Um, so we're going to have our hands full, but, um, kind of similar to Arizona, we have coach has been saying, we can't go around teams. We can't go under them or over them, we got to just go through teams. And we got to trust our process and trust the work that we've put in um, and hopefully have some um, some unreal, like some players come into some unreal games that they've had. So, Okay, well, I'll mark you up for coming into the unreal game. How's that? You come <laughs> off the bench anyway. Uh, you're playing about 20 minutes of ball game. I mean, this role seems, in the games I watched the other night against Arizona, you seem really comfortable in this role that – that Coach Banghart's asked you to take on this year? Yeah, I mean, I'm used to starting. That's what I've done my whole life. But when I came here, she kind of explained to me just where she saw me fitting in. And, I I mean, I've always been the kind of kid that wherever you need me, however long you need me, that's what I'll do. Um, And so that's exactly what I've done this year. She needed me to come off the bench and to give her some consistent minutes in certain ways. And so – that's what I do. And I bring the same energy, whether I start or whether I don't. Um, and I'll give you exactly what I'll give you no matter what, where, when I come in or where I 
play or whatever. Like I've played the four sometimes this year and I, I don't even, I never played the four. So <laughs> I'm just, I go with the flow and I do whatever the team needs me to do to win. I don't know much about New Hampshire. I'd like to visit sometime. Um, but I got to believe Chapel Hill's probably been a pretty good fit after starting your career at William and Mary and having great success. I mean, you were first team all CAA and transferring to Carolina seems to have worked pretty well for you, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I love Chapel Hill and I love our team even more. Um, I mean, I, I enjoyed my years at William and Mary and it taught me a lot, but to play on a team that we're going to the sweet 16 or we're in the sweet 16 and potentially competing for a national championship. Um, I mean, that I could have never gotten that necessarily at William and Mary. And so it's, um, it's very exciting. By the way, would the uh, bucket look, would that have worked at William and Mary? Is it a better fit gone, in Chapel yeah. Hill than William and Mary? Well, yeah. how, would you, how would you break that down? It's definitely a better fit in Chapel Hill. I mean, honestly, it might be a decent fit in New Hampshire. I, I just should get on a boat and put I, a fishing rod in my hand. Hey. Yeah. Some would. A little fly reel. There you go. All right. When we come back, we're off to Philly. C.L. Brown covers the uh, North Carolina Tar Heels for the Raleigh News and Observer and the McClatchy family of newspapers. We'll talk to C.L. from Philly, Carolina, tonight against UCLA. It's a Packer Classic. Blue Blood up next on Packer Endurance. Packer Endurance. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Oh, Packer really? Durham, a little dog walking music yeah. for 3.30 a.m. ACDC Hell's Bells, just for you. Yeah. Listening in pleasure. Um, real quick, North Carolina, South Carolina, 7 o'clock tonight on ESPN. I just got a text about some of the network That's in coverage. Greensboro. That's in Greensboro. That's tonight. Tomorrow, Mark's already told you, 11.30 for Notre Dame NC State at Bridgeport. ACC brunch. That's it. And that's on ESPN. ESPN 2 has Tennessee-Louisville at um, 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock, right. That actually uh, follows the Indiana-UConn game. So 4.30-ish. Tomorrow, I'll tell you what, man. Tomorrow is a great day Mm -hmm. of hoops because you can go early with the ladies. Right. You go mid-afternoon with the ladies. Mm -hmm. It leads right in prime time with the men. That's it. It is a great day. Great weekend of hoops. Yeah. Um, By the way, the ACC women are nine and four in the NCAA tournament. The men yep. are nine and two. Pretty Just good. saying, we are. You do keep score in March. Mm-hmm. Arkansas narratives change. Wes, remember I said this week they yes. can change on a dime. Yep, absolutely. Did last night, didn't they? Mm-hmm. No question. Arkansas Duke is the second game. Houston Villanova is the first one tomorrow, six o'clock from the uh, from the South Region, San Antonio. Great city to host that event in, by the way. I think the men, I, I will not say necessarily for the ladies, but for the men, the four cities that are hosting are not good. They're great. Philly, mm-hmm. Chicago, San Antonio, San Francisco. San Francisco's not gotten one in a long time. It's nice to see it in that oh, city. What a place. Right? What a place to visit for the weekend. It's been in San Jose. That ain't San Francisco. No, it's not. And I've been in San Jose to see the Clemson Tigers beat Alabama by, what was it, four or five touchdowns that year. I keep forgetting. I think Dabo took, wait a minute. I think Dabo took a knee to make sure that the greatest football team in the history of mankind, according to some on the SEC Network and others, would only lose by four touchdowns and not five. I think that was in San Jose. 
Stop me if I'm wrong. I didn't think so. Go ahead. It's such a, it is so good when you go there. Well, I mean, I heard it the whole year. <laughs> I know It's the you greatest did. football team that's did. ever been yeah, acquired. I, I know. And you're like, okay, cool. Well, watch this. Yeah. Well, Trevor Lawrence, he's never seen a defense like this. Yeah, yeah actually, well, he had. Yes. Uh, he carved up. Actually, there were, there were much, Duke was actually a tougher game than Bama there you that go. year. Uh, shall we go to Philadelphia this morning? Let's. Uh, please welcome. Come on, it's 830. The game's not till 10. You don't need the bow tie at 830 for this show. We are loosey-goosey here at C.L. Brown. Your mom's watching. My mom's watching, too. (laughs) C.L., I got to tell you something. I'm all disappointed in you because I I was thinking you'd at least have the hat on, too, man. Come on. Younger dress for us. I saved the hat for Kentucky Derby. There you go. I like the way you're thinking. All right, let's go here. Um, the Baylor things in the rearview mirror. I could I could watch some of the press cutups yesterday. The Baylor Baylor deal is long gone for Hubert Davis, and CL it feels like he's got this team right where he wants this team to be for a game like this tonight. I think so. I mean, the way that they've come on at the end of the season, it, it was something that uh, Mick Cronin from UCLA talked about yesterday too at the press conference that. Sometimes it just takes time. And, you know, with with all of the new factors, Carolina had, you know, three transfers coming in, first year for Hubert, and and a team that was, you know, that Roy Williams last year with with the youth that they had, especially in the backcourt with Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, didn't quite get to where he wanted them to be. So, you know, you factor in all of that newness, and and it did take time for them to come around. You could see the talent in flashes. You could. You, this is what I, how I thought this team could play eventually, but you know they they obviously took their lumps early on with with Tennessee and Kentucky losses and Miami and and uh, Wake Forest in conference the big losses. So now now they seem to hit a groove uh, at the right time. CL, it seems like the move to R.J. Davis to point has really kind of set everybody in their natural spot, and everybody has responded. And I know defensively, this team is light years ahead of where they were just maybe even a month ago. It at least seems that way. Yeah, I, I, I also add to R.J. playing more, uh, having more ball handling duties. I add the tear that Brady Manick has been on because I, I feel like early in the season – Part of it was because he was the new guy and, and maybe didn't want to assert himself or, or didn't know how to assert himself as much in the lineup. But um, in the in the 17 games since Dawson Garcia left the team and Manic had to play more minutes, he's playing about eight more minutes a game after uh, Garcia left, he's the leading scorer. He's averaging 17.4 a game. All of his numbers up are up offensively. He's shooting 50% from the field over those 17 games shooting 42% from three-point range over those games. And I think they – they I think he's like a safety blanket for him. Like, hmm. you know, uh, I dare call him the MVP of the team, even though, you know, you could look at what Armando certainly has done the entire year for Carolina, averaging a double-double. But, you know, when, when Brady comes out and makes those early shots, you know, it, it's it's like, look out. You know, he, he changes everything for them offensively, especially with the spacing. 
which right. is another thing that Mick Cronin pointed out yesterday and is concerned about for UCLA. All right. Uh, UCLA's biggest concern, though, has to be Jaime Jaquez, right? I mean, that just does not change. I know he practiced. Packer has a great theory on those practices that, you know, you can, what, run up and down the floor and everything's fine. But The game's the game's the game. The game is the game. So yeah. give me a feel here. Jaime Jaquez, on a scale of 1 to 10, where do you think he is after watching it? Because I know you watched him jog the floor yesterday. That's what that's what very yeah. enterprising journalists do on shoot-around days in arenas <laughs> before Sweet 16s. Exactly. I, I mean, I would probably put him, you know, at, at a 6. I, I think he's definitely going to play. He's going to give it a go. But, um, you know... I don't know how effective he will be. I, once he's making real hard cuts and and really putting stress on that ankle, which I, I don't, I'm not sure if he did yesterday in practice. I, I think it is a different ball game, and you know he would probably be the guy who's going to be chasing around Manic. Uh, and Brady isn't just the guy who's just going to float on the perimeter. Like he he he's the king of backdoor courts cuts for Carolina. So uh, he would be very challenging if, if he can't, if he's not feeling at a hundred percent with that, with that ankle. See, what do you make of the ACC Uh, big picture in the tournament nine and two on the men's side, nine and four on the ladies side. Um, I mean, the women you kind of expected because they've been consistently good and deep and talented two number one seeds, et cetera, et cetera. But the men's side, really, the ACC is kind of stealing the page from last year's Pac-12, yeah. where they got hot at the right time, and man, they were making all kinds of waves. Yeah, I mean, it, it's great to kind of change the narrative of the season. I, I still don't think it means that we we underestimated the conference during the regular season. I mean, everybody starts practice at the same time, and you know, those losses the league took early on in the season matter. You know, but um, I, this is the way to erase all of that by having this strong tournament performance. And, you know, I, I still don't think Wake Forest should have got in. Like, I, I don't think what they're doing now makes up for what happened during the regular season. But it, it is a great way to, to – nobody's going to be talking about, oh, the ACC was down if, you know, they end up getting a team in the final four or two teams – or three, <laughs> for that matter. But I, I don't see mm. three happening. But you know, um, they're definitely there's definitely been a strong showing, especially when you look at the team like Miami with the, a double digit seed um, doing what they're doing. I mean, they they obliterated Auburn, and Auburn was a lot of people's pick to reach the Final Four. Yeah, I, I want to go back because I thought your piece, and I still refer to it from time to time because I think it's got some really important points in it that that show us how it got to this particular situation with the ACC that we were talking about early in the non-conference and certainly in the in the beginnings of the regular season. But I also want to counter that by saying, what have you learned and what have you seen about losing the transfers out, gaining the transfers in, the maturation of certainly the team you cover, Carolina, who had to get a nine-point home loss to Pitt in February – the Packer reminds me it's my fault because I was there. Uh, but but what have we learned postscript of your article that can help us understand why this is happening and what may lie ahead in 22-23, if, if I can ask that? 
Well, um, that's a good question because I'm not exactly sure what we've learned. Uh, I, I think moving forward with the league, the main thing is the talent. Like there, there has to be a, a influx of talent to kind of get us back to where the the ACC that we've been used to seeing. Um, it does help though when you make the right decisions when you go into the transport portal and certainly Brady Manick is is exhibit A in something that that worked and worked well for Carolina uh, fitting a need fitting the way that Hubert Davis wanted to play and and he's certainly excelling in it but you know for for every Brady you have somebody that you miss on and uh, you know, I mean, you could look at Carolina. I thought Justin McCoy transferring from Virginia would have a bigger impact on this mm-hmm. team. The the good thing for Carolina was he did when it mattered against Baylor. I mean, you know, Manic, Manic gets ejected. Caleb Love fouls out. McCoy has to come in and, and as a veteran player, you know, was able to kind of fill that, that void in overtime and, and get Carolina over the hump. But, you know, overall in the season, he hadn't had as great an impact. So, it's, it's kind of tricky. On, on one hand, you feel like you can turn it fast because, you know, players are out there, experienced players will be out there in the transfer portal. But it's it's really about finding the right fit and, and finding guys who, who are not only going to fit on the floor but fit the culture of the locker room. So um, it's it's kind of remains to be seen what will happen next season in the league. Tell you one thing, the way you're dressed, man, if you don't head down to the Terminal Market after this interview oh, yeah. and go to the uh, Amish Bakery, get some pancakes or some donuts, uh, you have really disappointed me. I mean, it's one thing not to have the fedora on during the interview, but if you don't go down to the Terminal Market after this, uh, I'm going to lose total respect for you, CL. Uh, I'll take your advice on that. <laughs> hey, um, First, I got to call my mom and ask how I look. Now you, she, you know, your mom's gonna love you, man. Come on, yeah. you, you know, Come mothers. On listen, even if you had the worst day of your life, your mom's gonna look at you and go, "Honey, I love you." So that's why moms are the best. So don't worry about that. But you better get in line because let me tell you, there'll be thirty deep down there at that Amish bakery at the Terminal Market. Hey, CL, here's here's the last piece. Uh, Packer says you probably need to get to the arena early tonight for the first game. Nah. You need to get there early tonight to watch uh, St. Peter's play Purdue because Pac said it's over for St. Peter's. Yeah, it's over for St. Peter's yeah. tonight. It yeah. it probably is. And Purdue, from when Carolina played them back in November in the Hall of Fame tip-off, uh, I looked at them as a Final Four team back in November. And, you know, obviously they're, they're in position to, to possibly get there this year. Um so I would like to see that Carolina-Purdue rematch, though, because Ooh. Leaky Black didn't play in that first game. Right. And I'd, I'd like to see a Leaky Black-Jaden Ivey matchup yeah. and just, just to see what happens. You know, it, it, you could make it interesting. I think you might get your wish, CL. Yeah. That's why you better get down and get them pancakes from the Amish Bakery, my man. <laughs> hey, CL, great. Thank you as always. Appreciate the time. All right. Appreciate you all having me. You bet. C.L. Brown covers Carolina for the News Observer. Always wins best dressed on this show. He's sharp, man. He's two for two in best dressed. Mama will like the way he looks. He can present himself in public, even at 8.47 in the morning. For a 9.50 tip. P.M. Yeah. Late night at Wells Fargo. Um, On the other side, the Blue Bloods are still engaged in in this event. Thank goodness. The Peacocks knocked out your boys from uh, Kentucky. In the Blue Blood Fest. 
but we still got Duke, UCLA, Carolina, and Rock Chalk Jayhawk. We'll come back and talk about John Wooden throwing that handkerchief up in the air for some reason when we come back after this on Packer and Durham. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Don't forget ACC baseball front and center. We get you started tonight, 7 o'clock. Game one of the weekend series between number seven Florida State and those Duke Blue Devils. Great to have Chris Davis on with us yesterday. That was fun yesterday. It was fun. Saturday night, we take you to Raleigh, game two of the weekend series. Wolfpack and Jackets have had some now in their history together. This is at Dope Field at Dale Park. L.A. Davent and Danny Hall turn in their lineups at 7 o'clock uh, as they host Georgia Tech. ACC Network streaming live on the ESPN app. Tommy White, you going to go yard this weekend? I'd take Jake one. Jake Geloff's going to go yard for Virginia. Those yeah. two, I'm telling you, we're going to have a we're going to have a home run battle in this league from a national perspective. The the Those one two. the one thing I think we can safely say about Georgia Tech and um, uh, NC State, there'll be some home runs hit. Well, I'm Both just, schools put runs up. That would be true, and I just appreciate the Pearl Jam bump right there. It was nice, a little dissident like that. <laughs> Not that I know. <laughs> Catch the replay if you miss Packer talking about uh, the 94 Final Four Duke and Arkansas down here at the old uh, Steve Camp Charlotte Coliseum. That's right. Uh, Steve turns tunes into the show from time to time. Great to remember the building he ran. They opened that joker with Sinatra. Yeah, it's an apartment complex now. Is it really? Yeah. I think all the Hornets championship trophies are buried underneath See, it. See, here you go. He's going to upset producer Brian Ives. I don't care. He grew up the Lonzo Morning and I mean, Larry I, Johnson. Again, stop. If that. I'm wrong, no, stop you're not me, wrong. and I will apologize. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. So, Ives hangs around here to the fall. He's going to get the full Monday morning post-Panther experience, which is always a good time, too. You know, we're on a road to the Super Bowl here. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. Your quarterback is? Doesn't matter. Yeah. I think it's Sam Darnold. Speaking of Blue Bloods and basketball – Keep pounding and blue bud. Tell you what, I like everything about the blue bloods now. I told you, you're I excited with UCLA, Duke, I, Carolina, Kansas in this. No doubt, you like this. You I, want the I, power. You want the cream at the top. You don't know, you? it's like college football season, Wes. I don't hear anybody barking on the radio show. Man, it'd be great if Toledo was in the college football playoff. <laughs> Nobody says that. You know why? Because when you get to the best, when you get to the championships, the, the games that matter. You want the best teams. No disrespect, St. Peter's. You're Cincinnati not one of them. in football. Were they competitive? Okay, go I mean, ahead. You're right. I mean, Luke Fickle's a great football coach. We're they, not talking about they Notre Dame, earned though. the right. I'm not telling you they earned the right to be in it. Right. But fans want the best teams when it matters. The cool thing about the men's basketball tournament, you could have the Cinderella sure. for a week. And I have no problem with that. Right. St. Peter, I mean, listen, I had Kentucky in the Final Four. What do I know? Right? But Saint, the St. Peter's of the world, you know, or Roberts last year, when 15s go crazy, when Mercer upsets Duke, Lehigh upsets Duke, Weber State beats North Carolina. I go through the list. The beauty of the tournament is those kind of stories. But eventually, you want the dudes playing for a title. And that's why tonight, St. Peter's, Got to go. Okay, but that's just my – and, again, I already got people – I love the Cinderella story. 
good for you. If you love Cinderella's, I have a thing for you. It's called the NIT. Go watch that. Go watch the CBI, the DOG, the C18, all the other tournaments we have with teams that weren't good enough to beat in this tournament. All right? <laughs> all right. I want the big boys when it matters. That's all I'm saying. All for right. For me. That's just a – again, I told you, I'm an elitist on all of this. I'm a snob about it. All right, I want to play to the audience here then and play to my co-host. Here is the Blue Blood comparison chart that we put together here so we can have the moment. Look at the wins, look at the Final Fours, and look at the titles. That's what it's all about, man. Now, if you're – I'm just going to pull one up. If you're UConn, if you're Villanova, all right? I mean, Jay Wright right now, his team is a Blue Blood. No question. Right? Absolutely. But it goes further back than a decade. I mean, this kind of goes back to Leonard Hamilton. We're not a blue blood. We're a new blood. blood. And that is so accurate, what Leonard says with all that stuff. Sure. But that list that we just put on the screen right there, uh, you walk into their buildings, and all you got to do is look up. And you know what I'm talking about. Is Indiana? Should Indiana be on that list? Indiana hasn't won anything. I tell Dan Dockett this all the time. Dude, you're like Notre Dame football. You guys haven't won anything since the 80s. It's 2022. Well, that's right. 87, Key Smart. I keep saying, if I'm wrong, I will apologize. That's hard to believe now. It's not hard to but they 35 years ago? You can't act like, oh, we ought to be on that list. What have you done this century? That's fair. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, You could put Virginia on there before you put Indiana on there. Again, new blood, blue blood. I think of Indiana. I love their basketball tradition. Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. But right now, you wouldn't bump Indiana for anybody on that list that we just put on the screen, would you? You could put Maryland on there before you put Indiana on there. Well, Maryland won one this century. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Indiana was in a national championship game and lost this century. Well, UCLA beat Arkansas, remember, to King Dome in Seattle? Is that yep. the Got Man with Jim Herrick? I think that might have been the Got Man pack. How about right. that? I didn't see any C notes falling out of the pocket. <laughs> There's Cal, accepting a trophy. The Cats. five that we put on the screen. Yeah, those uh, are the blue bloods. Hey, man, if you don't have them on your short list, you're wrong because those five have to be on it. Historically, these are the five programs that are the most dominant in college basketball. I mean, look at those numbers, man. And and here's the other thing, too. And you know what? Everybody who's not a fan of those schools probably looks at them and goes, I hate all of them. Yeah, you know why? Because they win all the time. But That's why. But let me ask you this. Duke is more than just 42 years of Mike Krzyzewski. Don't forget that part of it. Right. I mean, Vic Bubas had a lot to do with Duke in the 60s. Without question. Yeah. I mean, so. Bill Foster. Yeah. It, you know, as much of Mike Krzyzewski, Dean Smith comparisons, you, you know, you got the Vic Bubas, you got the Bill Foster. Now, you got this, this 91-92 thing. Duke has won Natty since then. But 91 and 92, to me, pushed this thing over the edge for Duke. Because you won the national championship, and then you doubled down and won again. And to me, when Carolina won in Phoenix after losing the year before in Houston, it kind of reset what they had built in terms of dynasties with Blue Bloods. Yeah, and take a team like Louisville here in our league. No question. Me, right? Denny Crum, brilliant coach. Three of them. National championship, the whole routine. Mm-hmm. You know, Louisville wins it. With Luke Hancock making everything he looks at. 
um, Rick Pitino, the whole routine. I mean, there's a lot of schools that can go multiple national championships. Mm-hmm. A, a number yeah. of them, right? Yeah. But when you start cutting it to, hey, there's just a handful, the five that we put on the screen, in my opinion, are the five. Yeah. And Louisville's not far off that list. No, neither is Indiana, neither is UConn, neither is Villanova. Well, I mean, least... There's a bunch of teams that have won multiple. NC State's won multiple, even though they haven't won anything in forever. But neither is, neither is Indiana. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, power hour coming up. We'll reset with Duke's win last night over Texas Tech out in California late night. Some of you might just be getting up after hanging out late up till midnight watching that. Maybe you took in all ACC after that too. We will uh, come back. We'll set the Blue Devils going forward. They'll meet uh, Arkansas on Saturday night for the right to go to New Orleans in the Final Four. Blue Devils a winner and a full slate today with Miami, Carolina, and the ladies' card all coming up in the last hour of Packer. Packer and Durham.